0: welcome to mint a unique look into how the creators of today are building the communities of tomorrow by harnessing the power of web3 i'm your host adam levy and let's kick off this episode by giving some love to our three nft sponsors they are coinvise poop and social stack first off on coinvise you can create a personal or community-owned social token on ethereum Coinvise also helps you create incentives through token rewards and bounties, NFT business models, and bot integrations for Discord. Discover more by visiting Coinvise.co today. Next up, we have po or short for Proof of Attendance Protocol, who enables a novel way of creating one's life diary. Leveraging NFT technology, po facilitates an easy way to mint non-fungible tokens related to meaningful events, it's frequently used in crypto-native communities, and now it's starting to create NFT collectors in the mainstream too. Collect or launch your own Poap today by visiting p o a p x y z. Next up, we have Social Stack a platform for communities, brands, and creators to build mission-driven social token economies. Offering an easy-to-use, non-custodial wallet with a suite of open-source community engagement tools, Socialstack makes it simple to bring your community into Web3 and be a part of creating an open-source, gratitude-driven future for social tokens. Create a free social token wallet, discover mission-driven social token communities, or apply to launch your own token on Socialstack by visiting Socialstack.co today. This episode welcomes Marek Olszewski, a partner of C-Labs, one of the companies working on Cello, which is a mobile-first, permissionless platform that makes financial tools accessible to anyone with a mobile phone. I wanted to have him on because he's incredibly successful in his past career, having a previous startup of his acquired by GoDaddy, and now he's even tripling down, quadrupling down, whatever you want to call it, in crypto, building out what he considers is that missing link to bring mass adoption and main scale, mainstream adoption to crypto. Uh, So without further ado, uh, I had him on and we talked about why he believes in crypto, okay? and more so his journey into the space, how he kind of got involved in the beginning, how he's thinking about the mobile experience from C-Lab's point of view, and even Salo's greater future, uh, some things that are stifling mobile adoption, his opinion on scalability, and Salo in the creator economy as a whole, the next six to 24 months, and so much more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Marek, welcome to Mint. How you doing, man? Good to, good, good to see you. Thank you for being on. Yeah.
1: Hey, Adam. Uh, it's really great to be here. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for
0: having me. You got it. Let's dive right in. We got a lot to talk about. I don't even know where to begin with the sellers ecosystem. There's so much going on from the DeFi side to the mobile side to the creator side. But I guess a good place to start always is who are you? Okay. Uh, but more specifically, what were you doing before
1: crypto and kind of where are you now? Yeah, great question. Um, so I have a tech background, a computer science background. I um, studied uh, computer science first at the University of Toronto, and then I went to MIT for my PhD. Um, while at MIT, I worked on an area of research called deterministic multithreading, which just coincidentally happens to be very relevant for scaling blockchains today. Um, it was It's an area that... Um, um, allows you to effectively um, paralyze transaction execution in a fully deterministic way so that it can be remain deterministic on multiple full nodes that are all participating in a, in a decentralized network. Um, and uh, out of MIT, I ended up uh, starting a company, a venture back machine learning company. Uh, that company did well. It got acquired a couple of years later. And... Um, uh, after that experience, I ended up teaming up with, uh, with Renee Reinsberg, my, my co-founder from that first company, uh, and Sepp Kambar, um, who was a, a, an MIT prof at the time, and also just an incredible individual and um, serial entrepreneur. I think he's perhaps most well-known for starting a personalized search company that, that he sold to Google in 2002 that became iGoogle. Um, and, um, and also he was the inventor of, of, uh, Eigen Trust, um, which was a decentralized reputation protocol for, for BitTorrent. Um, and you know, around, uh, a little under five years ago now, um, you know, the three of us teamed up and we thought about what to do next. Um, I was actually introduced to crypto by Brian Armstrong in 2013. And so I had been following the space. He he sent me some Bitcoin uh at a music festival. Oh, uh, cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, so that was a, a really great uh introduction to the space, and then I had been following it for you know since then and, and again in, in 2016, kind of sixteen, seventeen, we um Sep Rennie and I started thinking about what, what to do next. And you know, the at the time, you know. Obviously, you know, like now, there was a ton of excitement for, you know, DApps. I think DeFi was still kind of in its infancy, Um, but um, you know, the usability, you know, was was a big issue, um, and you know, mobile support was was really lacking. And you know, as we looked at the current at the state of the world back then, we we knew that in order to make um crypto um mainstream we had to solve just a number of kind of big and difficult problems um and you know the first was around mobile right i think um, um even though we we do use um web three products on mobile devices we don't they're not really conducive to mobile they're they don't really run in a decentralized manner on mobile mm-hmm. um, frequently they're designed for um, for um, desktops and then kind of scale down to mobile. So we wanted to spend some time on that. And then we, we also just really wanted to spend time on usability. Um, and we initially uh, wanted to build a, a Venmo-style decentralized mobile wallet, um, but we couldn't make it easy enough on the existing platforms. And so then we ended up um, kind of focusing on building that platform that would enable um, you know, fully decentralized, really easy to use um, mobile applications that focused on DeFi and payments and um, and everything, you know, Web3 related. Yeah. Jeez, what a what a background.
0: <laughs> it's, a, it's a long time coming. Like your, your journey, you've seen a lot. You're OG in tech. You're obviously OG in crypto. I guess like my question to you, what is it about crypto that drew you to working and building in the space? getting bitcoin from brian armstrong at a music festival in 2013 is a really good way to get started um but like there's one aspect of collecting and there's one aspect of like feeling this energy to solve problems what like how did it kind of manifest for you
1: yeah i think a couple of things i mean i think the programmability is number one for me i think the the fact that we can innovate now with money and uh, with kind of social organizations and, and uh, ways of organizing—you um, know, this is really exciting. This is totally new um, and something that wasn't possible, you know, at at this level um, by you know this many people before. Right? It used to be that if you wanted to. I don't know, think about Demerage and its effect on, you know, circulating supply of money. You'd have to, you know, be an economist somewhere, some academic, you know, thinking about uh, all of this really academically and, and maybe doing some simulations. But now, like, literally, you can build a protocol and launch it, have people use it and actually see how it works. That That is just absolutely incredible. Um, and then, you know, the community side, the, the part where you can actually um, have... Um, rules that enforce you know how organizations are, are constructed and work together um again right like i think uh that would have been something that maybe people would have been thinking about in, in yeah. communities and now we can actually innovate and, and, and do things and this is just literally the beginning right with with what we're seeing with daos right now and you know i think um there's just so much innovation that's going to come out of this it's, it's just really really exciting and, and it's really just impactful you know, for, for us, we um, really saw, you know, I think like a lot of people uh, we really saw um, this programmability, this ability to innovate, um, you know, we saw that it would allow um, um, ways of transacting, ways of reaching people who have been traditionally financially excluded. Uh, We just saw that that, that was a possibility. And and from a, Kind of what do you want to work on for the rest of your life perspective? You know, there's very few things that, that are more um, kind of compelling than that. And yeah. so I think that was the, the main motivator.
0: Yeah. You know, when you talk about being mobile first, the, the first thing that does come to mind is one, being able to buy and sell crypto on the go. Okay. The next, I guess the next thing that comes to mind is now with this whole evolution of NFTs. The UX on buying and purchasing on the go still is really like shitty and partly because I think it's also a lot of like the Apple's regulatory side of of the app store and kind of controlling what comes in and what goes out and all the wallet components that come with that. But, you know, when I think of mobile, the current state for me is that that browser in MetaMask, for example, okay, and being able to access Web3 applications through a more native like wallet connect uh, feature. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible, right? But that's just like a very narrow view from an end user's point of view. What does mobile look like? Like the end-to-end vision from application to infrastructure to usability to scalability. Talk to me about this vision. Like, What what are you guys seeing internally that's like, wow, there's an opportunity here. This is how we're
1: planning to attack it. Yeah, amazing question. Um, I mean, I think first and foremost, it's a mindset, right? I think... um, if you look at what happened around 10 years ago in the Web2 space, um, Luke Rubelski wrote this book, Mobile First, and then went out and evangelized this idea that, you know, we, everyone needs to just start thinking primarily in terms of mobile and then secondarily in terms of desktop. And if you do that, you you will build applications that are unlike anything that, you know, we were building before that were targeting kind of desktop and notebook uh, applications. Um, And, you know, obviously Web2 uh, picked this up um, and then some, and, you know, I think we we live in a world where we have applications that, you know, don't even work on desktop computers because they use, you know, GPSs and and other Mm -hmm. sensors uh but you know the way that we interact with those applications are also very very different we we built almost a new class of applications that that y- you use in in this a little bit more of a casual kind of setting right like i think you you people use their phones on their couch they use their phones on yeah. the toilet i think there was a study once that said that 60 percent of people uh, use their phones on their toilet. I think <laughs> that clearly tells something really uh, critical and important about you know us as a species, mm-hmm. and that of course is that we lie uh, because there's no way that it's not 100. <laughs> percent um, and you know, you compare that to the way people use DeFi on, on you know desktop computers today. You know, you pull out your ledger, you, um, you kind of roll up your sleeve. Someone was telling me that when they when they kind of um, um, do especially more complicated DeFi um, um, operations on their computers. You know, they they like mentally put aside time and really try to get in the headspace to, to do it. Right. Um, you know, I think that's just a very, very different way of interacting with, with these products. Than- Partly because it's also super manual. There's a lot of things that could be automated,
0: right? That's just still required us to click through and read the fine print and go through these
1: junky interfaces, but yeah, continue. Definitely, right. I mean, I think we're in the early days and, and the internet was also, um, you know, more stressful and, and took a lot more work in the early days or, or certainly in the web. Um, and, you know, if we think about where we want to go um, and how do we actually reach, you know, billions of users, um, it's it's through, uh, it's certainly through mobile. So we need to design um, for the way people uh, interact with these applications on these mobile devices. We need to, um, you know, design for the connectivity that these devices have, right? And you can't run a full node on a on a mobile phone. So if you actually want to do anything in a fully decentralized manner on a phone, you're you're pretty much shit out of luck for, for most uh, protocols out there. Um, and so Celo, we worked really hard to have a like client that uses snarks to effectively prove that a header is part of the chain so you can actually sync and, and run a, a like client directly on your phone mm-hmm. um and um and you know that's how we reach you know the kind of next uh or the first billion you know users in in, in the crypto space right because i think sometimes people really underestimate just how many uh mobile phone users there are out there you know there's Um, If you look at the kind of annual Ericsson Mobility Report, I think there's uh, 8 billion uh, mobile devices right now with active subscriptions in the world. That's four times more than the number of PCs, the 2 billion PCs that people frequently cite, which include actual servers as well, right? So, you know, clearly just uh, not all of those are desktop computers. Mm -hmm. So already just a staggering multiple more of these devices. And then the other thing that people frequently underestimate is just how many of those are smartphones. It turns out that it's seventy five percent of those are smartphones. Um, so six billion smartphone devices today with active mobile subscriptions. Um, this is not casual. I love how you say that so casually too. <laughs> it's, it's staggering right I mean it's crazy. Um, um, and and so you know if you're if you're building products for uh large numbers of users globally be it web 2 or web 3 you know mobile you know clearly has to be uh, a place for you to kind of find those users and yeah and if you design for mobile first then you're not going to then uh then you're, it's actually, one, you're going to think about these more intimate interactions uh, that people have with, with their applications because you're right from the get-go designing you know, with mobile in mind. Um, but, uh, but two, you're also going to you know, make it more um, snappy, right? You're going to think about um, bandwidth a lot more. Um, all these things actually translate to a better uh, desktop experience. Yeah as well suddenly you know your application just flies um and so um yeah from you know just um a way i think that we're going to reach um kind of that that first billion kind of web3 users it's 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 all about getting them on those massive amounts of devices Mm -hmm. and really thinking in this kind of mobile first manner so
0: what what percentage of crypto activities actually conducted on mobile right now do you know that number? Is that is that a metric that you can track?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, um, this has been tracked for some dApps on Cello. I think Ubiswap, which is uh, one of the big um, DEXs on Cello, uh, shows that I think 86% of their um, usage is now on mobile, right? That's pretty cool. Um, I... Don't remember exactly, but it was in the analysis um, what that number looked like for uh, Uniswap and Curve and, and, and I think Aave and and if I remember correctly, uh, it was you know less than fifty percent on mobile uh, right. on those on those applications. Um, and so the contrast was certainly quite quite big. Wow,
0: crazy. You know, again, it goes back to me just using like a, a Chrome like uh, and having like a wallet collecting and me switching from Chrome browser to <laughs> MetaMask or whatever wallet I'm using and coming back to Chrome. And even that 90% of the time it fails. So if I'm trying to like adjust a bit on an NFT, if I'm trying to get into a pool, if I'm trying to send a transaction, whatever it may be, it's a really terrible experience, right? You know, one, one application that you guys came out, came out with uh, called uh, Valero. Valora Valora right Valora? Valora yeah Valora okay which which kind of goes back to one of your initial things of like creating a, a Venmo right being able to send money virtually anywhere to anyone through a text message right so beyond like the application of like sending money what other applications do you think have yet to be optimized for mobile that are seeing like massive traction on desktop for example
1: yeah great question. Um, and you know, I think actually, I, I don't think, you know, payments has been cracked right. Uh, sure. yet. Right. I think Valora is, is a great, um, can I start at this? Um, and just for context, for people who aren't familiar with Valora, it's, uh, it's, uh, one of the um, kind of flagship mobile wallets on cello. It really uses a lot of the features that cello has it, um, um, it has that like client, uh, which is really cool. Um, it uh, allows you to send Celo uh, stable coins really easily. You can pay for those transaction fees with the stable coins themselves because on Celo you can pay for gas using uh, tokens. Celo, by the way, is fully EVM compatible um, and, um, but uh, it has a few bonus features like the ability to pay for gas with, with tokens. Um, and then the other thing that that I think uh, Valora does really well is you can you can send the payment to a phone number. There's a kind of fully decentralized phone verification protocol um, that's part of of the cello platform, and and Valora uses this, and so this allows you to send payments to to phone numbers. But even more exciting than that, it allows you to send payments to phone numbers before the recipient has actually created mm. the wallet before they've even um, install the application um, it just sits in an escrow smart contract and mm-hmm. once someone has verified that phone number that the money is intended for then uh, the smart contract releases the funds and okay. so it kind of enables an experience that's more similar to a centralized experience even though it's decentralized right the, the fact that you don't need an extra currency to to cover the transaction fee the fact that um, you you don't have to use these public key derived addresses. You can just send the payment to someone in your contact list, right? Because ultimately, from your contact list, you can get their phone number, uh, and then uh, then you can send it uh, to them using kind of this decentralized phone verification um, protocol. Um, and and the end result, and because you know so is scalable and fast and has one block finality, you know the end experience is. Uh, is, is just really quite, quite delightful. Um, but, you know, Valora is more than just um, kind of a payments app. It, it's a signing wallet. It has its own, uh, it supports Wallet Connect, but it also has its own uh, signing API that allows you to go back and forth between native apps and web apps uh, in a way that's quite uh, elegant. So once you sign a transaction, it returns you back to the application. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tell you, you know, go back to your application while like, it you know, <laughs> connect us. Um, and and this allows you to have an experience that is pretty seamless, but that still kind of switches back and forth between the, the two applications. And, and if you think about how, you know, um signing wallets might scale you know dap browsers are certainly um you know they serve a a really big purpose right now but it's on i'm not entirely sure that the dap browsers are going to be able to compete against the the web browsers of the future Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and so um i think ultimately either having a a wallet that's a separate app that has just a really great, you know, interface for signing um, back and forth between the browser um, or between native apps that, that people have built that, you know, um, also need a signing wallet to interact with. You know, I I think there's certainly uh, a lot of exciting uh, potential in in that direction. And, And so Valora has kind of this, this pretty nice experience there around this. But I think, you know, in terms of what, what will go, like, what's next for mobile? What, what can we, like, to get to your original question? Um, you know, I think um, social payments is one thing, but we, we talked about how money is programmable and there's you know, so much innovation happening. Um, there's um, a lot of people building community currencies uh, on, on Celo. Uh, people building UBI protocols on Celo. Um, you know, these are things that are just inherently, you know, make sense to, to be mobile. Um, so Impact Market has a, a really cool um, UBI program where people claim 50 cents a day um, using a native application. And then, then that money gets sent to Ballora and then they typically transact in their local communities using Ballora, buying groceries and other things. Uh, those are, you know, inherently mobile things. Um and likewise, Humanity Cash is, is building Berkshares. Berkshares is, I think, one of the most famous um, paper community currencies out there uh, in Massachusetts in, in a town called Berkshire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, they're they're also building, like bringing this onto the blockchain. And, and I think, um, you know, being able to to transact in local communities using uh, currencies that promote um, local spending and, and, and bring a benefit to, to those local communities, um, I think is, is really, really, really interesting. And so there's going to be, I think a lot of, a lot of things on mobile related to that, but then, you know, as you think about traditional DeFi and even CeFi, right. I think, um, certainly, you know, a, a lot of people are buying crypto and exchanging assets using, using, um, DEXs, but, you know, I would say the, the experience is still not competitive to centralized exchanges, right? You need, you know, on an Ethereum, you need to buy some ETH to pay for gas, to use Uniswap. Um, and, you know, you typically get that by going to a centralized exchange, in which case you're kind of defeating <clears throat> the point of, of using a DEX Um if you already have access to a centralized exchange. And so one thing that I really kind of see going forward in the future is um, rather than cashing in through a DEX, you kind of cash in through a kind of cash in, cash out um, kind of provider. You know, there's there's many such companies now, you know, Ramp and Ponto and, and Wire that are kind of specializing in this. And if you cash into a stable coin that you can also pay for gas, then suddenly you can replicate the experience that you have with something like Coinbase, right? You can cash in just like you connect your bank account and like move funds over to, to your actual Coinbase account. You, know, you, can, you can go through that experience, but instead of you know having uh, just some, some numbers uh, sitting in a bank account um, used by the kind of centralized exchange, uh, you will literally self-custody those stable coins straight away once you cash in and then if you can pay for that transaction fee with those stable coins then suddenly you can you can trade arbitrarily you can lend arbitrarily you can borrow arbitrarily you can do everything that you want to do um, and you know many people are doing in 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 defi today but without the need for kind of another currency that you need to to pay gas with um, and that really unlocks these really centralized, more, more centralized experiences that are quite nice, but it, it makes them possible in, in a fully decentralized manner. And if you do it well on mobile, then um, because um, uh, self-custody um, wallets are, are frequently regulated very differently than custodial wallets globally, you know, suddenly you can also have like a, a global um, market, addressable market for your, uh, your mobile experience. Uh, and Mm. so that to me is I think where the puck is heading, you know, and and I'm really, really excited about that future.
0: Can you, can you talk more about what are the biggest issues stifling mobile uh, development, uh, and mobile adoption? I know you mentioned a few in the beginning, but can you,
1: can you list a, a few more out? Yeah, I think, um, so, I mean, if, if you really believe in, in censorship resistance, surveillance resistance, decentralization, right, then then certainly <clears throat> like clients are just really high up on the list. Um, even if you just, you know, care about it from a scalability perspective, um, you know, there's uh, frequently uh, on a lot of these uh, kind of newer EVM compatible chains that that are very... Uh, high, uh, have very high throughput, you know, like cello, like Polygon, like Avalanche. Um, we talked a little bit about the like client before. And, you know, I think if you believe in censorship resistance, if you believe in surveillance resistance and, and decentralization, then certainly the like client is really, really important. Um, and, um, but even if you, um, if you, you know, are just coming from it from a kind of scalability pr- uh, perspective as well, you know, a lot of these highly scalable, kind of EVM compatible chains these days, you know, like Celo, like Polygon, like Avalanche, you, you know, every now and then you you get. Um, Crazy usage and uh, all of the RPC nodes servicing—you know—a lot of these web apps servicing MetaMask, servicing um, mobile phones—they uh, start to get overloaded, right? And um, and so, one really elegant thing about like clients is that you can actually scale and and, and service those applications in, in kind of a decentralized manner, where full nodes, you know, on the platform can can come and and offer that service. And uh, Sela also has this concept of um, um, full node incentives where you, you actually can get rewarded for running a full node for servicing these like lines. Um, and so, you know, just from a, a scalability perspective, that's also pretty interesting. Um, I mean, beyond that, you know, I think, um, you know, the... Jury still out on, you know, what's going to be the best signing experience. You know, mm-hmm. we've got, you know, people building uh, extensions in in Safari now um, that that offer a kind of an interesting signing experience. Not every browser, not every platform supports extensions. So it's going to be interesting to see if that evolves. Uh, you've got things like Valora that that certainly implement Walla Connect, but also have their own kind of really... Um, I would say, um, like finely tuned signing API that allows you to kind of switch back and forth between um, applications in a way that is very, very seamless. Uh, you've got Wallet Connect, which um, is, is really nice because it also allows you to use your phone to sign transactions on desktops. Um, so I think, you know, there's this kind of, amalgamation of all of these different ways of of, Mm -hmm. uh, using your phone to sign transactions. And I think it's going to be interesting to see um, how, how this, this evolves. Um, And then, you know, I think, um, you know, we, we talked about um, building and kind of this mobile first mindset. Um, Part of that will be actually DeFi apps building native applications. Uh, and we're seeing some functionality being integrated into wallets today, but that's not going to scale, right? We're not going to have a single wallet with thousands of, of kind of built-in applications. So so either we're going to have a, a really interesting plugin architecture where, where you can uh, interact with these things in a very native feeling manner, uh, or, you know, these applications are going to have to uh, start creating their own native applications, their own um, uh, mobile apps effectively that that interact with these signing wallets and and I think that is um, you know a future where pretty much every application in in the app store in the Play Store is going to be web3 enabled um, and you're no longer going to need this extra layer of indirection by uh by using something like you know a DApp browser uh, on your phone yeah and and i think that uh we're still a ways away from that being um the default but i think we're certainly going to get there eventually do you see that vision uh with apple
0: in it or do you see a new type of product coming to market that's more web 3 decentralized friendly that that takes uh and come like i guess competition on a hardware play, for example. And the, I only asked that, and I know it's, it could be like a crazy question, okay, because Apple's Apple, you know, we all have our iPhones. I'm I'm streaming on a MacBook right now, but they're making it increasingly more difficult for crypto developers to push applications through the app store to kind of uh, encompass this mobile first vision, right? And to make it really native and seamless and the user experience kind of looking and feeling as it should for replication of like Web2 applications, right? So, Maybe far-fetched, but I-, I-, I wonder if you've thought about that before and if you have any thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly there's been Android manufacturers that have built, you know, Web3, you know, crypto specific features, right, right. Uh, the ability to use your kind of um, trusted execution environment to sign. Um, you know, ECDSA signatures using uh, kind of the, the elliptic curves that are more common in, in, yeah. in our space. Yeah. I guess um, it's all
0: possible on, on Android then, right?
1: Right. But it's not even every Android manufacturer that's mm-hmm. doing that, right? Okay. Um, um, certainly um, some of these features aren't default Android features provided mm-hmm. by Google. And so um, I think it will take some time for for Apple and, and Google um, to – Uh, to start offering these things but i think it's inevitable right i think um with uh, i mean especially nfts um being um you know such a great kind of gateway for users into uh into the web3 space um i just see so many more users entering the space and and i think it's going to be very difficult for for these big companies to to really ignore it i think there's going to be a tipping point where you know every company is going to be a web3 company Uh, and that will include google and um and apple for sure yeah
0: i i definitely agree with you on that sentiment okay let's talk about scalability okay because it's obviously a core conversation around any network um and i know you guys are, are approaching scalability in a very interesting light um which also has led so far to a lot of the success that you're seeing on the network itself. Can you talk more about scalability? How are you guys thinking about that? Um, how does that differ than Ethereum, than Solana uh, and, the, and the whole shebang? I think it's super important to kind of un- unveil.
1: Yeah, really good question. Um, yeah, so Sela right now has its own kind um, of proof of stake protocol um, that uses you know stake to elect you know, hundreds of validators who then perform BFT-based consensus. Uh, because we have that really efficient light like, client, um, we we do things um, uh, using kind of the BLS twelve three seven seven elliptic curve, and we aggregate all signatures into a single multisig uh, on each header, uh, and so everything is very compact and and friendly and and um, conducive for um, uh, fast syncing and just you know fast. Um, transaction processing. And so that's, um, that's where we are today. Um, but, um, you know, I think we we're excited by the prospects of um, scaling um, traditional EVM, um, uh, a traditional EVM to kind of Solana level uh, throughputs. So we think that, you know, there's still a lot of room to vertically scale these uh, these types of uh, VMs, uh, and so we're investing a lot on that front. Um, one such example of that investment um, is kind of a, a joint kind of collaboration with Misten Labs. Misten uh, Labs uh, is a recently formed company by kind of former DM and, and Novi um, kind of cryptography, distributed systems, programming languages, kind of uh, researchers and experts. Um, and um, the Sela Foundation has kind of a long-term kind of partnership now with Mistin with and, and we're working and C-Labs in particular is working closely with Mistin to, to bring some really exciting new uh, innovations uh, to the platform. Um, so specifically, um, Mistin um, um, is is looking at bringing Narwhal and Tusk, um, um, these two kind of um, protocols, one around um, mempool ordering and one around consensus, uh, to the Celo platform. Um, this was this is a protocol that was developed, um, I think, you know, by by these folks um, um, during their time at DM. Um, and it's it's really quite elegant. It's really um, um, cool to see the the performance of it. it. They've shown it to to scale to hundreds of thousands of transactions per second using uh, kind of global uh, consensus. Um, sorry, global. Um, Scale latencies. Uh, So, if you're running a blockchain with servers running all around the world, you know, latencies are longer, it's harder to get to those throughputs. But with this protocol, they were able to kind of get to hundreds of thousands, effectively Solana level uh, performance. Um, And so, they're working um, now on this again, um, kind of um, meeting kind of C labs on a weekly basis um, and um, looking to kind of add this to the protocol. Um, so that's that's really, really exciting. Um, you know, I think, um, again, I, I think there's still a lot of room for, for vertical scaling for EVM chains. And, you know, as we've seen with all the demand uh, for EVM compatible chains in the last year, uh, I think there's, um, yeah, just a lot of appetite mm-hmm. in the market for that as well.
0: Yeah. You know, a, a lot of what, like, Mint aims to do is to kind of teach... Not only like the everyday people, but a lot of like the the creative type, the the creators, the artists, um, and I guess the people who are introducing a more like sexy narrative to crypto through NFTs, through social tokens, and and whatnot. Uh, I want to quickly talk about like this integration that you guys did, which sparked a lot of my attention and my excitement around Celo, was uh, and also super relatable to Mint because of the nature of the podcast. This. Proof of Listen collaboration you did with Social Stack, okay? And from what I understand, you guys developed this this protocol or this, essentially this way to kind of track listenership and reward people either through NFTs or tokens, uh, etc. How is Cello kind of thinking about the creator communities that are starting to appear uh, and kind of like more of the normy audiences that are entering crypto through NFTs, through social tokens, through art, music, culture? What do you guys kind of like? How do you think about that? Like, you know, like, because it also comes from the point of view of like introducing people through NFTs and then getting them intact with DeFi, right? And kind of like exploring that entire route. Walk me through your, your point of view on that.
1: Yeah, great question. I mean, NFTs are, are just obviously like a really great innovation. They're just super exciting. I think there's, um, it just unlocks so many new. Uh, ways of interacting with digital uh, assets that you know it's it's clear that they're uh, paradigm uh, changing um, and um, and certainly you know doing so on mobile is just, is just uh, uh, has been you know already shown to be one of the preferred ways that, that people interact with these yeah. things and so that's it's really really uh, interesting for us um, I think the you know the frequent criticism that the artists, you know, coming into the space uh give is, you know, holy crap, if I'm gonna mint this NFT, it's gonna create how much carbon. You know, that's um right. obviously, you know, super um kind of either kind of ethically uh, an issue for folks or um or just yeah, downright scary. Um and so um, you know, I think um that's certainly a place where, where people have found um, comfort uh, when when looking at Celo, because you know Celo obviously is proof of stake, mm-hmm. so it has a much smaller carbon footprint. But even more so than that, Celo automatically buys carbon offset credits uh, with each um, block, uh, using block rewards uh, directly from Project REN. And so it's actually fully um, carbon uh, neutral. Actually, it, it buys more than it uses so it's it's actually carbon negative and it has been from when the network was launched um a year and a half ago now um and so so that's that's been really um resonating with a lot of uh creators and and i think the the mobile um kind of first nature also just really really resonates um and um yeah it's just been it's been really exciting
0: yeah cuz you're right. For, to some folks, the, this whole issue of, of, of climate impact um, and what crypto is supposedly doing to the climate, some people have other opinions, others, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's an ongoing back and forth narrative. But by design, CELO's network is kind of like to favor and to protect and to encourage like the, the, the ethical use, right, in and, and, and providing for climate and, and being super active on that front from what I'm understanding.
1: Yeah, it's been it's been definitely important to us right from the get go. Yeah. Um one of our advisors is Charles Eisenstein. He's this um kind of philosopher slash author. Um, wrote this, you know, really um really inspiring book called Sacred Economics. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It's um, you know, a lot of what we got excited about when we started Cello. Um Many of those ideas, you know, came from, from that book. Um, and what, what are some of those ideas that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, I think the big one is is natural backed capital. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, in the last few months, there's been all this excitement around um, creating stable coins that are backed by uh, carbon sequestering assets. Uh, this is an idea, actually, that Charles wrote about um, uh, before even Bitcoin was invented um in in that book um and the way he talked about it back then it's really interesting um you know he noticed that whatever backs money people value more of in the world right back when gold backed money you know you could go mine it you could trade it for money uh and you know that uh created the gold rush and you know um, a lot of obviously uh value was attributed to, to gold um, and, and so, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we backed money by things that we wanted to see more of in the world, right? And in a world of climate mm. change, uh, the thing that, you know, definitely comes to mind the most, um, uh, are carbon sequestering assets, right? You know, tokenized trees, uh, are like a really great example of this. And again, he, he wrote this, he had this idea before, before, um, crypto, before Bitcoin, and so at the time it was an interesting idea that you would kind of nod and, and think, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But then you kind of flipped the page. But, you know, now like, literally there are multiple teams, tens of teams, if not hundreds of teams working on solving this exact problem, like thinking about this mm. uh, and, you know, Celo is no exception, right? Celo has yeah. a built-in stable coin, um, that you can you know use to pay for gas, like I mentioned before. Technically multiple stable coins, it's the cello dollar, the cello euro, and, and soon the cello Brazilian real and solo mm-hmm. peso. Um and you know these stable coins are backed by the same kind of over-collateralized crypto asset reserve. Uh, and 0.5% of that reserve right now is made up of Moss, carbon offset credits. And the um kind of goal and the intention is to really um, raise that up to um 40% or so uh, mm-hmm. of the reserve to be composed of of these these kind of carbon sequestering assets and if you want to do that well you, you in a fully decentralized manner you need you know hundreds of companies are tokenizing these things so that you have you know a diverse basket of these so that it's truly you know decentralized and so to to get to that um kind of reality we Couple of months ago, we we launched the Climate Collective. You can check it out on climatecollective.org. Uh, we registered the the Stability Mechanism for the the hundred million dollar carbon sequestering X Prize that just launched recently as well. Um, and you know now there's kind of twelve inaugural kind of companies um, joined by more that are now kind of teaming up, um, really working on kind of addressing. This issue and and finding ways to to tokenize, you know, these these kind of assets and reserve, and you know, um, carbon sequestering assets. That's just the beginning. You can imagine, you know, pristine rivers as well, are something that maybe we want to protect, or oceans, or you know, even affordable housing. You know, there's things that, you know, through governance, you know, people can propose uh, and and add and used to back, you know, stable coins. And, you know, on the topic of, you know, this being a field where, you know, people like Charles Eisenstein got to kind of think about this or our academics got to kind of um, write research papers about this. You know, we're, we're in a world where, you know, um, we can actually develop these things yeah, and actually experiment uh, and, and not just think about them in, in a more hypothetical, theoretical way. And so that's just really, really exciting.
0: Yeah. M- makes a lot of sense, you know I, I know we're reaching our like wrap up limit, but before I let you go, I want to ask you a couple more things, okay, so what does the next like six to twenty four months look like at cello what What is a priority? What can us as users as developers, as people super excited about what you guys are building and the mission that you're on? What can we expect uh, what What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so certainly more you know really great, delightful mobile applications. Uh, being built on Celo. Um, Celo has this incubator program called cello camp. They just finished their fourth batch. Um, there were 30 graduating companies that um, recently showed their, their uh, demos and, and pitched investors and, and raised money. Um, So much really exciting things happening from, you know, obviously from DeFi to kind of really great mobile wallets to uh, NFT related um, 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 projects, um, um, climate related projects, uh, trading things, um, data unions, um, UBI related things, community currencies, all of that. And so... Uh, All done in 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 kind of this mobile first manner. Super exciting! Yeah, super exciting! Yeah, a lot of things. A lot. So a lot of really great builders are now um, deploying their products. We just wrapped up literally uh, yesterday uh, a a big um, kind of month long hackathon with two thousand four hundred participants. We're just kind of sifting through all of the submissions now. There's just so many really cool and exciting things that are uh, on the on the horizon. And, you know, because you can pay for gas again with stable coins, because of the mobile focus, you know, there's this um, ability to build these kind of experiences that are unlike, you know, what we've seen in Web3 before yeah. that really rival kind of centralized offerings, but that are fully decentralized, fully available globally. And, you know, I think that's, you know, just a big part of Celo, right? There's um, companies and projects uh, from hundreds of of countries. Um, I think for this hackathon, we got submissions from 130 countries. If you look at how many, you know, countries are are using uh, Valora, I think it's like close to 150. We have users from 150 countries. So um, a lot of these types of products are not just uh popping up and targeting um, um kind of uh, more western countries um they're they're truly global in nature we're seeing a lot of protocols and projects building specifically focusing on latam on africa on, on southeast asia uh, and that's um yeah just really really exciting so i think more of that um and then i think more on the payment side right i think mm-hmm. pay- been the holy grail for for crypto for you know ever since the bitcoin white paper right yeah about it and um and we're not there yet right like we're um um i think in in order for payments to really be ubiquitous to be uh to be done uh on chain globally we we need uh, cash in and out um uh offerings in, in pretty much every country in the world that allow you to convert to and from stable coins um uh everywhere and and then you, we need blockchains that allow you to send those stable coins with ease uh at you know high throughput, low latencies, uh without having to have another currency to pay for gas. Um yes. so Celo is that that kind of offers that settlement layer. Um, and we're seeing, you know, a lot of companies now integrating and, and using that. You know, Deutsche Telekom recently joined the Cello Alliance. They're um, running validators now for Cello. You know, I'm predicting a, a lot more companies like that um, kind of joining and um, really uh, leveraging kind of the ease of use and the scalability of Cello for, for payments. Nice.
0: And before last thing before I let you go, where can we find you? Where can we find and learn
1: more about Cello? Sh- show us the destinations. Where are we going? Yeah. So, cello.org is um, kind of the Cello Foundation's main website. It has the Cello org uh, Twitter handle as well. Um, and then, since my last name is a pain in the butt, um, uh, you can find me at just underscore, um, so Marek uh, underscore. So, M A R E K underscore. Um, and try to make that easy for you guys.
0: Nice. And it's like getting so dark here. I've never done an episode <laughs> this late. And it's only 5 p.m. in California, but uh excuse the the dark phase. <laughs> but uh Merrick, what what a what a good conversation. You're like you're a pool of knowledge and abundance of information, so much credibility in the space. Uh, I'm excited to see how it rolls out and we'll be keeping a close eye. So thank you for being on and hope to have you soon again. Amazing. Adam, thank you so much for having me. You got it.